Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This six-question podcast brings together high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas, delivered in an informative and, most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got you six, we got your back. Got you six, we got your back. Got you six, we got your back. I got you six. I don't know what you've been told. The views we have are all our own. Yes, we serve the DOD. But my opinions come from me. Yeah, I got you six, we got your back. I got you six, we got your back. I got you six, we got your back. I got you six. All right, Sixers. Today's guest, Daniel Ray Rodriguez. You might know him as Danny Del Rey, decorated United States Army combat veteran, public speaker, athlete, author, and recording artist. Danny Del Rey, currently based out of Nashville, extremely passionate about fitness, art, music, and of course, songwriting. Known for his inspiring story of bravery during the Battle of Camdash in 2009, one of the bloodiest battles in the War of Afghanistan, he fought for more than 12 hours despite bullet fragments lodged in his shoulder and shrapnel in his neck and legs. Danny would then go on to play himself in the movie based on the book about the battle. Danny firmly believes in turning anything negative into his life and using it for something good. He wrote the book Rise, A Soldier, A Dream, and A Promise, kept in 2015, and starred in The Outpost, which was the most downloaded movie in 2020. In 2006, just weeks after high school graduation, he enlisted in the United States Army and was almost immediately deployed to Iraq for an 18-month tour. Then he would go on to Afghanistan for a year. He would return from Afghanistan with a bronze star for valor and a purple heart after obtaining the rank of sergeant. In 2014, he graduated from Clemson University with a degree in parks, recreation, and tourism management. He would then go on to be an undrafted free agent for the Los Angeles Rams. So as you already can tell, Sixers, I'm talking to Daniel Ray Rodriguez. You might know him as Danny Dell. On Spotify, Cookie Crumble is my jam. Uh, I rock that all the time. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you being here. Uh, thanks for having me, Tony. It's It's been a time coming. I miss you the first time, so it's, it's good to make this happen and get this out there. Thank you. All good, man. Good people continue to find each other no matter the circumstances, right? And we'll talk about, you know, you turn anything negative in life into something positive and use it for something good. A recent example, right? The movie, The Outpost, the 2020 movie, where you played yourself. How was that? Uh, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it backtracks because I have always wanted to act. Acting, I've Love movies. My father was a big movie head. I used to watch, I remember going to Blockbuster, like the family video and like renting like three or four at a time. And like, you got to rewind it before you return it type thing. So movies has always been something I've wanted. And after the military, after the battle took place, I was reached out to by the director and Jake Tapper, who wrote the book, The Outpost. And they're like, hey, would you mind trying to, you know, be of guidance to this or whatnot? And they were in LA. I was living in California and I rode my bike to the interview. And I like, did push-ups worked out beforehand and like got there in the Manhattan beach and the conversation was going well. And I just asked the guy, I was like, who do you all have playing me? And the guy was like, Oh, we haven't, we haven't casted for you yet. We don't know if it's going to be a major role, like maybe just some radio talk. 
And I was like, well, you know, I'm auditioning out here in California. I'd like to get my foot in the door. And if there's an opportunity to add authenticity to this film, I'll pay for myself to get to Bulgaria. I'll be on set. I'll volunteer. I'll contribute. I just want to be a part of the process. And so I planted that seed. And like four days later, the, I don't, I don't know what you call them, the, the people who fund the movie, essentially, the director, the funders, they, they signed off. Yeah, the producers, they signed off on it. Because it's like multi-million dollar movie, Orlando Bloom, Scott Eastwood, Caleb Landry Jones, just won like best actor at, um, at Cannes. So, you know, it's a pretty star city cast, uh, Taylor Johnson. I mean, there's a lot of young and up and coming actors. So for them to be like, okay, let, we'll rewrite the script and throw you in there and fly you out there. is kind of a never happened type thing and play yourself for that matter. But I got on set, Rod Lurie, the director, I, I absolutely crushed my first scene. And every day they would send me an update with an updated script on the movie. They rewrote the script as I was there. I filmed for the entire duration. And that's kind of how the process um, came about me playing myself in what ended up being the number one stream movie in 2020 during the pandemic, which is pretty cool. So uh, pretty wild. I was going to say wild is definitely the word I would use to describe that whole chain of events <laughs> because literally the, the battle of Chemdesh set the trajectory for where your life is now. Oh, 100%, 100%. I mean, in, a, in more ways than not, I joined the military to to get an SF contract and go through ranger school. And I was supposed to go back after that deployment and reenlist to go to SF or all that. And after October 3rd, getting wounded, losing that many friends and just kind of seeing the I was 20. I think I just turned 21 and I had already had 24 months of combat. I did a 13 month, 14 month tour in Iraq. And then this was a year in Afghanistan. It's so almost 27 months of combat. And I, my initial enlistment was only 48 months. So I did more time in theater than I did in garrison when I got out of the army and I was stop loss in January. So I had a lot of like, just in the 2009 timeframe, you know, during the surge Bush administration, there was a lot of just, I think a lot of weight on the, on the, on the soldiers then. And I was in the thick of it. So my trajectory, like you said, changed drastically because I was reevaluating my twenties. <laughs> I was like, do I want to come back over here for the next? And if I would have stayed in potentially, I could have been over there 10 more times. Right. So like, yeah, it was a, uh, it was definitely a crazy scenario. Opened my eyes, reevaluated my life, got out and I, I wanted to get my education. So after that, you know, I, I went to pursue football. I was like, you know, I think I can go play sports again. I've got my, my youth, my GI bill to pay for it. And I've always wanted to play. So it was like, all right, time to check off the next box. <laughs> Not only was pursuing football like something that was on your list, you had made a promise to somebody about doing that. Absolutely. It was, and that, and that kind of backtracks again. I, I would have to shout out my dad again. It's, he was the athletic director at Quantico. So I grew, I grew up, I would get dropped off after school on the Marine Corps base and I was on the wrestling teams, basketball, everything. Like, so I always was sports oriented. And if my father was still alive, he would tell you today, he wanted an Olympian, an Olympian athlete. He, was, he wanted a child to be a pro professional athlete of some sort or compete on a global scale. And I'm extremely athletic and was raised that way. So it was always a dream of mine to play professional sports. It was always a dream to either play basketball. I was an AAU state champion. And then football, obviously I, I excelled at just because I was quick, but like any sport I wanted to play, I was good at. And then when I got to like my junior year high school, my dad was like, all right, you got to pick two. And I picked basketball, football. And then football, my senior year, I had like a division three offer. Like I was pretty good. My parents went through a divorce. I didn't play my junior year. So there was a lot that I felt I left on the table. And when I got out of the army, I had a buddy acquaintance. His name's Tori Smith. I'm sure if you're familiar with football, you probably know Tori Smith. He played at University of Maryland, played 
two Super Bowl rings, is one with the Philadelphia Eagles and only Baltimore. He grew up in my hometown. He went to my rival high school. So when I was in the army overseas, he was playing at Maryland and then he got drafted by the Ravens. And I remember thinking to myself, like, yeah, he was a better athlete than me, but like I can ball. Like, like I'm not a scrub either. So the entire mindset changed. Like when I get out of this, I'm putting my money towards my GI bill. I I checked off on that box as an enlisted guy. And I had it in the back of my head that I was going to try to go walk on somewhere. And then my second deployment in Afghanistan, um, the combat was just so heavy. I mean, we were getting hit every other day. It's just extremely kinetic. Bro, morning, I, half my half the firefights I was in was in flip-flops, bro. Like, I would not even bullshit you. I was hanging rounds in flip-flops and PT shorts, like, like steady. Like, didn't even, we got to the got to the point where we didn't even sleep with, we'd sleep with our pants on, socks on. And a shirt on because all we had to do was slip into our boots and go out and fight. Like we didn't even have time for that shit. So, you know, you're huffing cigarettes after 48 hours because they fuck with your sleep pattern. Like, you know, hit you in the morning, hit you right before you go to bed and hit you again, like three in the morning, like this dumb shit. You're just sitting there like (laughs) thinking of everything you, you had, you know, the girls you didn't hook up with or the, you know, the the shots you didn't take type thing. And mine was always like just remembering because you have to remember six months before these fire, oh, this is Afghanistan, but like, Prior to me being in Iraq, this was very similar, but I'd be in Iraq or whatever. And I'd be thinking of like my last football game in high school and like crying in the locker room with all my friends, like thinking that was the last game ever. And then I went to war and I was like, wait, you mean to tell me I can use my GI bill, possibly go back to school and walk on and that not be my last football game over? Okay, I'm going to do that. And so I would just, that was my light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, I got to get the fuck out of this combat zone. Well, I wasn't thinking that. I was like, just trying to survive, but. And the backpack is if I get out, when I get out, I'm going I'm to play football. And I ended up promising a friend, dude. Like I was going to say, Kevin Thompson. Kevin Thompson. Yeah, man. It's my boy. I do make promises, but a lot of times I make them to myself. Right? Like, I, I like I'm telling myself I'm going at it. It's very rare when I have to have somebody else hold me accountable. Like, I'm telling you, I'm promising you to do this and it's going to be done. Right. His personality was such an encouragement. And like, even in a time of war, like he was just such a, a beacon of energy. Like you would bounce an idea off of him and it was like the greatest thing in the world. Right. Like, you know, some people would just throw yourself in a scenario. If a 22 year old guy or a 20 year old guy in the middle of Afghanistan smoking a cigarette is saying, Hey man, if I survive this war, I'm going to go walk on and try to play college football. Okay. I don't know everybody out there, but I would venture to say most people would laugh or say, ah, bullshit or keep dreaming. But when you told a guy like Kevin, it was just like the world was so simple and like, it's hard. It's just, you know, he, God damn, I miss him. But yeah, he's like, I told him, he's like, bro, it'd be so dope if you survived this and then went play. It was just like, oh shit. Like, you know, you have that, that reassurance of, of somebody's in your corner. And uh, I guess that's what a battle buddy is. Hey. The one common thread in all of this, whether it's being in Afghanistan, Iraq, at Clemson, playing for the Rams. You remain like what you've implemented from the military is being purpose driven. And you've said it multiple times. When you have a mission, that is when you are just untouchable, right? You you stay so focused on getting and accomplishing that mission. Yeah. It can be a gift and a curse, right? <laughs> but no, it is definitely a defining characteristic. I need a competitive edge. I whether it's with myself or a goal or an objective or something that I see myself getting better in or bettering somebody. I think that's why coaching and teaching is such a passion. I mean, even in like the podcast room, right? You're helping people and that inspires you. That gives you energy and motivation to go want to do more. It's, it's in the same mental capacity of 
when I feel the need to execute something or go after it, I put the blinders on. And now well, I did. I'm, I'm slowing down a little bit more. I'm playing a little bit more chess with life, right? Like I'm trying to think a few more stages ahead, but the same principle and mindset of the common thread is, man, like if you want something, you got to stay disciplined. If you really want it, you got to stay consistent. And, you know, the, you said like good people seem to find each other. I think it's because they just keep doing good. And that consistency of keep doing good is going to ultimately come to a good conclusion of some sort. So it's just the consistency of work ethic and also putting goals in front of you, right? Like I've never had a basic goal. I mean, I have a ton of basic goals, but I think the ones that people recognize me for are fairly outrageous. And I want to go on tour as an artist. I want to film movies like overseas. Like that's an outrageous goal. But it's real to me. Like I'm really putting in the time and working and, you know, you never know when your next video takes off type thing, but you have to be ready for what you want. And if you aren't ready, you're not going to get it. It's going to pass you by. And I think that's my fear, right? It's not the, will I fail or get it? It's, will I be prepared if the opportunity presents itself? And that's more of the pushing factor because it's like, okay, if the opportunity presents itself and I wasn't ready, I'm to blame. But if every morning I wake up and I'm consistent and I'm constant and I'm pursuing this, when the opportunity comes, even if I fucking fail at it, I was prepared for it. And that's a different mindset. Cause I don't, I don't feel the failure, man. I feel not being prepared. And that, that, and that, that irks me. So I have to stay consistent with myself and everything I do, everything that I've checked off goals to come that look, man, this life is, this life is crazy. There's ups and downs. Tragedy is going to happen. Misfortune. You know, it's, it's a wild, wild ride. Emotions are crazy. Systems in ethnicities aside, religions, regions, where you live at, just the opportunity to breathe oxygen and communicate in whatever language you, you speak. It's a difficult time, no matter where you're at. In the world. <laughs> There's challenges. So to then amplify that and have goals that just are outside the norm, I think you have to not fear failure. You have to continue to stay driven. You have to continue to look at it and be like, this is not outrageous. This is me. And if I'm outrageous, then fuck it. I'm going with it. That's just who I am. And I'm not sharing this grade with anybody. And for that matter, nobody's been on my shoes or heels through the journey thus far. So, you know, what else is new? <laughs> Let's just go get it. Right. So, yeah, I remember I went to Clemson by myself, bro. Like I was sleeping in my car, like in a parking lot, a bylow parking lot for a week before the NCAA cleared me because I was so scared that I was going to not be ready for the opportunity. I had to go after, I had to attain it. I think that's a very, like, it's a defining factor of me. I'm not, I'm not afraid to sleep in my car. <laughs> I'm not afraid to like go into the unknown because if there's a chance of getting what I want and accomplishing what I work hard for, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, I'm in fucking Columbia right now learning Spanish. I'm such a fish out of water, bro. It's crazy, but I love it. I love it. I love it because it's a challenge. And you've already answered all, I mean, almost all the questions, right? You talked about one skill or ability that you're working on, right? You're in Columbia learning the language, living the life, right? What is something in the last five years you've learned to kind of do is not put your blinders on so hard, right? You, you're able to kind of dial back a little bit and realize, hey, I, yes, I can be purpose-driven and focus on my mission, but I need to also be aware of my situation. Otherwise, I'm going to get into a trouble spot. 100%. And I, I, I'm grateful that I joined the military at 18, because I think what it also did, aside from any other thing you could list as a, as, a, as a benefit, my first real job was not a nine to five, right? So the world of nine to five or 
that lifestyle in the American system. When I came home, I knew right away that wasn't for me. So that kind of leaves, socially speaking, not too many normal routes. Like you're going to be an entrepreneur. Okay. You're going to be in today's world, you're going to be an influencer of some sort. But for me, I knew I wasn't going to come home from overseas and go try to be like a, you know, a contract worker in DC or I hadn't even gotten an education or a diploma, but use my diploma for a doctorate or something. I, I just knew. So the military kind of gave me the ideology of like, listen, buddy, you can, you, you're a soldier. This, this life is a battle. Like you're going to have to fight through this shit for a long time. And either you're going to be able to persevere by yourself or, or have those small troops around you and fight these battles or you're not. And, you know, a lot of times I look at people who don't like their job of losing a war. You're losing a battle day in and day out with yourself. So are you going to fight for yourself, get the fuck out of that situation and do something? Or are you going to keep being pounded by who you don't like, right? So succumb to your wounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the same concept. So I like came home thinking, okay, I'm not going to work. So I'm not going to go down that battle. Like I'm not going to lose that battle. So, okay, sports. Yeah, that's, that's a fucking crazy mission. That's a crazy ass mission. Hey, well, I guess I got to work pretty crazy hard for it. And, you know, so that's like kind of where it goes. So like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm thankful I joined the military young because I think it truly opened up my bandwidth of like, I hate taking commands from one sergeant. <laughs> I'll be damned if I'm taking commands from 15 people, like, and I got to wear you like just, you know, there's just shit that plays in the, like, so I, I came back with a, a, a drive and after school and kind of having the resume I was going to pick and choose. And when I got to California after sports, again, California is a, is a great ecosystem of ideas and people, you know, networking. So speaking was, was something that I was really passionate about. I still am. Like I love speaking. Um, so that was opportunistic and going, but it gave me the ability to kind of say, okay, I don't have to feel pressured about paying my student loans right now. I'm not pressured about putting a roof over my head. Like there was tangibles that played into a very, nice equation, right? That gave me the opportunity to one exhale, kind of come out of the wave of military football, be grateful that I still had my head on, like figuratively, literally, and like then coming to like a conclusion. It's like, whoa, okay, what am I running? Why am I running so fast? Like, what am I really, where do I, what do I really want to focus my energy and attention on? What have I not checked off yet? And, and, and then that's when it's like, okay, I've given myself the ability to, to stay true to who I am, now you got to go do it, right? Because it's one thing to tell yourself, or yes, I am this way, I want to do this, but it's another thing to execute and act on it. And I, I think I set myself up young and gave myself the ability to know you can make it in this world, right? Like the States, or maybe, I hope not, but the States or whatever you endure is never going to be like October 3rd. <laughs> Like, hopefully not, like, unless Armageddon or some shit happens, but like being under fire, I've been in probably a hundred plus hundred plus firefights. And I keep that in the back of my head, bro. Like, yeah, here's in the States, it used to freak me out because I'd hear gunshots in LA, Nashville. Like, you hear gunshots and you have that, like, that, that sense about you, right? And that's what I've kept. It's like, okay, if this is as worse it's going to get, and I need to make the rest of my life the best situation possible. And that's what I've really tried to focus on is like, you know, to you saying make a negative out of positive. It's easy to make positives, bro, when your negatives have seen like eight friends killed around you and everything you own is on fire and you're literally bleeding out of every body part and you have gun runs and eight tens dropping 2,000 pound bombs within a football field of yourself. You start looking at life 
after that a little bit differently, just a little bit. And like, I never try to brag about my military service or compare what I've done to anybody else's, but I went through some fucking shit in Afghanistan. It really, really changed my life. Like I came out of those mountaintops feeling like, why the fuck was I at the bottom of three mountains? What dumbass strategically put my ass there? And like, and then it did, there was a, a domino effect of where the trajectory of my life was heading or what I was doing, what I was serving for, what, who, who I was taking command, all that, all that started going to play. And then you come back and some, some, I have a lot of friends that, that haven't, that don't have this mentality that, you know, they, I'm not throwing shots at anybody, but I'm a disabled vet, but I, I know people who just claim shit to get their stipend so they don't have to work as hard for the next, for the rest of their life. That, that wasn't my avenue. I wasn't surviving that to try to be cush and go back to my same hometown and live off that same story for the rest of my fucking life. That shit wasn't going to happen. So it was, it was coming back with a sense of urgency of like, these motherfuckers just killed my best friend. They just killed a lot of my friends. Now I got to come back and try to act like everything's okay or not try to act, but be in a world where once a year we have a Memorial day to recognize it where every day in my heart, every day in my mind, I got to live with that shit. Every day I wake up and I have the pressures of like, why am I still alive? Right. So I had to get through that curtain and that veil and that, that weight to really like have a, a, a piece about me that look, man, like, shit happens to everybody, right? Like you can't help where you're born. You can't help that you went through this stuff, but you can help yourself. <laughs> you can help yourself do something different. You can help those around you. You can help your attitude. You can help your perspective. You can help your mom. You know what? I can help my sister. And there's just little things of you start giving back to yourself, a little bit around you, the people who care about, believe you. And you start, for me, I was starting to grow again. So I usually ask like the question is like, what is your greatest influence? And you were sports has literally been the greatest influence on your life, not only from your father wanting you to be an Olympic athlete, but to then go on not only to play at the D1 level in football, but then to go undrafted to the Rams, right? So that's, that was one of the questions. What else did you already answer? Uh, how are you better than yesterday? Like Daniel Del Rey, how are you better than yesterday? It's, I am going to show up prepared because I never know what I'm going to get called to perform. Whatever that performance may be, I'm going to show up every day for myself, because you bet your sweet ass, if you call my name, I'm coming 100% with everything I got. Then what failure has led to your greatest success? I would say the events of October 3rd, but it really was such a crucible moment that allowed you to then go all in on Daniel, right? And live for those that aren't with us today. Yeah. I mean, it, those were thoughts going through my head. You, you, I was like, okay, this uniform is on. I've sworn like all this in this package, but it's like, was this for me? Like, was this for me? Right. And, and no, it wasn't, you know, if I, if I break down, it was for my battle buddies, it was for whatever the mission might've been, you know, liberating schools of girls and helping eradicate Taliban from village. You know, I had, I had fought an evil that I believe is evil in this world. And there was a purpose behind that, but that purpose wasn't my purpose. It wasn't like what I woke up that I wanted to do and believe and create. And I think this is where the privilege comes into being American or being born in our country and raised because we have the belief system that sports is an opportunity, right? We have the outlet and the sanity to say, you know what, maybe I want to be a synchronized swimmer in Alaska, go do it. Right. Like, so there's, there's places in this world that that's not even a thought Like you can't have that. So I think, 
yes, going over there and having that worst fail set me up for my success. I'm also very grateful to have the platform of the states and an ecosystem of a country that glorifies and romanticizes what I loved as a person. So I was able to come back and dedicate my life to something that most people, the majority of our community or our, our civilization, salute is cracking a beer open to every Sunday, right? So it's like I was really coming back home with it. the blinders on. I'm not settling for this bullshit over here. This is what I want. I'm an athlete. I'm going for it to survive this shit. Like, let's go for it. But that resonates with me and a lot of our audience. And just humanity in general is kind of in a large question mark right now of how do we proceed forward? And it's like you said, purpose driven, living, being able to live where we live, do what we do, and continue to show up every day because you never know when you got to perform. You haven't put in all this work to show up and be flat. That is a discontent I have in, with some things with the states. Is it is it is a great life, and people just wake up in the morning. They don't show up, right? They just wake up, and I wish more people showed up. <laughs> they showed up. They they embraced the day. They were going after something they wanted, not just a routine or, or you know a habitual pattern. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep my life fresh in a sense. I'm trying to keep the challenges constant and also rewarding and and to have meaning mi nombre is daniel rey rodriguez and i failed spanish too i used to be proud to say bro i do not speak spanish i'm third generation american my father's a veteran both my grandparents were born in in texas new mexico i'm american quit making me check a fucking ethnicity box i don't I'm tired of putting hispanic i'm american and all of a sudden i'm like who what what the fuck was that like i i want a connection with my roots I've finally been able to like, I think, come to a point of existence or coming down here to learn is because I want to be in, on the international speaking circuit. I've spoken at an author conference last year and an underprivileged community in California where 60% of the school spoke Spanish, had half the audience crying in tears. And I had to go back to my hotel room and cry because I couldn't communicate with that. I couldn't talk to them. And you know how fucking irritating it is to be Rodriguez and to look and to be of that ethnicity and culture and have the ideology that you need to stay on the fucking your side of the border because I was born over here. And like, do you know how frustrating and entangled my friends used to make me shoot at a Mexican three-point line growing up. I had to swim across the pool. They're just little jokes and tinks that just like that just poke holes in what you think you are, what you are. And now it's like I'm trying to come back and have a reconnection because I want to speak to underprivileged kids who are digging in the trash in Venezuela right now who can fucking do something with their life, right? That's the purpose. I want to go film international movies. I want to be a credible actor on the circuit across the board. There, there's an objective for me coming down here, right? In the States, I was just waking up. I wasn't showing up. And that shit was getting old. I had, to, I had to wake up again, right? I had, to, I had to wake up and show up and get another goal. So coming down here was to shift a lot of things to better myself as a person, a speaker, an actor. But it's also opened up my, my eyes, my beliefs on who I am and what I've come from and what my lineage is and what I should be proud of and what I uphold and what connections I want to make in this world and, and legacies I want to leave. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show up, bro. I'm done waking up. <laughs> I'm fucking showing up. <laughs> and here's what I know, Danny. I go to Vegas, right, to enjoy the shows and like experience the people. I'm not really a betting, betting guy. I don't have FanDuel or anything like that. I'm going to wager all in that you're going to do all those things and so much more. I know it. I feel it. I believe it. And I need to apologize to you because my beatboxing game isn't where I want it to be. I, <laughs> because I do want you to kind of, you know, 
hit us with a quick sick, hit us hit us with a little something, Danny. This one kind of goes back to what we were talking about too, right? Like, do what you want. I'm trying to rock them because life comes in them stages. Circumvent the minimum wages in these cubicle cages. I was born to make these hits, not sit on modern day slave ships. But the irony is I grew up off of that Jefferson Davis. I know my think it's outlandish and my dreams are outrageous. But sometimes that's what it takes to separate us the bravest and resonate with the greatest, become a wonder that's ageless. And I'm unsure of what my fate is, but won't let hatred negate it. My heart been bleeding out, girl, Liana Lewis frustrated. So convoluted and jaded. That's why the truth never made it. Maybe I'm trying to evade it. I'm afraid, but not naked. Or this TBI is displacing in my memories, wasting. I'm making more notes of self, but in my diary pages, I'm waking up facing down L's bigger than Kyrie Sages. And I know deep in this well, there's still a hell and it rages. This infidel, he can compel, but don't go selling his praises. Danny Del Rey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing your story. People want to reach out. Where are they going to reach out to you? Give us your handles. Give us everything. Danny Del Rey uh, on Instagram, Danny Del Rey, D-A-N-N-Y Del Rey. Uh, it's Spotify, Apple Music. My Twitter is, if you just search Daniel Rodriguez, it pops up. It's from college. So it's got 83 in there for my college number. But I'm, I'm pretty reachable, man. You know, I'm not, I had a bigger platform. I deleted all my shit like two years ago. So a lot of people that, you know, like 60 some thousand on Facebook back like, I'm no longer on Facebook. So just Instagram, Twitter, pretty mellow. I'm really trying to focus on music right now and, and movies. So I'm slowly coming out, putting out content to let people know that this is, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, man, you can, you can shoot me an email message. I think my stuff's not on private. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. And yeah, man, please reach out. Uh, I love getting messages from people who listen to my music or have read my book and just just anybody who like can relate, bro, that, that that's humanity. So feel free, reach out to me. Um, I'm always, always, always down to meet new people and, and have a new fan for, for, for the music and the book. So appreciate it. And the book is Rise, A Soldier, A Dream, and A Promise Kept. Absolutely. And uh, possibly more things coming with the book. I'm, I'm going to say it now. I can't say too much, but possibly some more things come with the book. We'll see. We're coming straight from the source. Be ready. If you haven't heard of Danny Del Rey yet, you will. He's going to be everywhere. I already put my money on him. Danny, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And of course, thank you for having our six. I appreciate you, Tony. Thanks for having me, buddy. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers. But the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.